combination, a local church group, public schools, and weapons. But somehow, more and more schools are signing up for archery lessons. Local 12's Tiffany Wilson shows us why. A quick glance into the Columbia Intermediate Gym, and you would think this sixth grade phys ed class was like any other. You would be flat wrong. These kids are learning how to use a bow and arrow provided by a local church. Again, a public school asked a church to teach students about a weapon. It might sound all wrong, but the HisPins program hits a bullseye with both administrators and kids. It was fun because you get to shoot arrows and they go really fast. And you hit the target. Oh, the kids seem thrilled, you know, connecting it to Katniss Everdeen, and the kids all read the Hunger Games. Um, they're having a great time. Last October, Grace Chapel started an archery club. After advertising in the church, Kevin Schweiger asked if he could teach at Mason Middle School. It took a couple of meetings to convince them, but they allowed that to happen, and in the course of two days, taught 1,100 seventh graders how to shoot a bow and arrow. Soon, other school districts started calling. Grace Chapel has brought the His Pins Archery program to more than 20 local schools. Only one has declined. During gym class, Schweiger connects the history of archery to creation. The archery has shared our human story from the very, very beginning of time out of necessity to feed ourselves. Then students learn how to notch an arrow, grip the string, and let it fly. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool that we got the chance to do that. Beyond learning new skills, Schweiger has seen students gain confidence. I think the power of archery is that it's, it really hits that niche of kids that don't identify with traditional youth sports and team sports because this archery has nothing to do with strength or athletic ability. That's the reason Principal Shelley Detmer-Bogart says the church-based program is possible in a public school. So far, is this something that you'd recommend to other schools? Absolutely. The excitement, the enthusiasm, and I like that it's teaching the kids the independence, and it's a skill-based activity and not necessarily a, it's seen as a weapon. So I think it's great. In Kings Mills, Tiffany Wilson, Local 12 News. And more than 7,000 students have taken part in the His Pins program so far. Grace Chapel hopes to expand the program all around the country. That's pretty cool, isn't it? God's doing some really exciting things here at the church. And, you know, as God continues to build our church and grow our church and help us, you know, become spiritually more mature, the only way to truly do that is to get connected. I know so many of you have been coming for the last only few months, maybe some for longer, for a few years, but you still don't feel connected. Well, I want, we want to make sure that happens. Out in the foyer, there is a table set up for life groups. Some of you are already involved in life groups. Your life groups are probably, some of them are closed. The ones out on the tables are open. So if you have not connected to a life group, if you're younger and single or you're, you're young married or you're older, it doesn't really matter. We have life groups for every age group um, starting. There's one actually meeting on at second service in the back room over here throughout the week. Some have childcare, some don't. But here's the deal, guys. You, you need to get connected. All right. You're not ever going to feel like a part of the body and all the exciting, dynamic things that God is doing within the church. If you don't get connected, the best way to get connected is get involved in a small group. 
get involved in a, a men's Bible study or a woman's Bible study. The men's Bible study is, has moved over here in this back room on Wednesdays at 7, at 7 a.m. We're going to be studying Stepping Up. Uh, it's, a, it's a book we'll be going through. So if you're a guy and you'd like to get connected, 7 a.m. here uh, in, this, in the church, how easy can it be? Um, also, there's a men's retreat on the 18th, October 18th and 19th. We're going to start at 6 p.m. on the 18th and end at 3 uh, p.m. on the 19th. So it's not even a, it's not a long retreat, but it gives us a chance to connect with one another. So number one, get involved in a, in a life group, get involved in a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study. Number two, make sure you take the time to sign up to serve. You can serve using your skills in archery, all kinds of activities that are you can get involved in the children's ministry, the youth ministry. It doesn't matter. The idea is that you use the gifts and abilities and the talents that God has given you to serve so that you connect to the body of Christ. One last thing, if you haven't been over to the thrift store yet, this morning is kind of their pre-grand opening, okay? And it's just for us. It's just for this church. So they want you to come over, kind of hang out, look through there. They've held back some things for this morning so you can get over there and make some great deals. More than anything else, we just want you to see it. We want you to experience it. And maybe you go over there and think, this is a perfect place for me to serve. All right. So it'll be going on till about 1.30 today. So after the second service, pop over there, hang out a little bit, get to know some folks over there as well. All right. I don't have many heroes, um, but you get the privilege this morning of, of meeting and also hearing one of my heroes. His name is Rodolfo. I met Rodolfo when he was about 11 years old uh, in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, we were down on a mission trip with back-to-back ministries, and we were in Casa Hogar Douglas, where Rodolfo spent um, most of his uh, early life. And I remember talking to Rodolfo and spending time with him, and at one point we were walking behind uh, the facility, and I, and I said to him with a few other people, I said, Rodolfo, what do you, what do you want to do when you get older? What do you want to do with your life? You know me. Well, that was your vision. And, and, and he just kind of looked at me for a second, lowered his head, and kind of shuffled his feet and said, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll work here or something and could see the, the lack of hope that he had in his eyes. And um, to see that young man go from shuffling his feet to now graduating from college speaks. How many people here speak five languages? Anybody? He speaks five languages. He's a godly man. God has transformed his life in so many ways. And the reason he's one of my heroes is because as a pastor, you don't always get to see the, the fruit, if you will, of the ministries that you're involved in. And to be able to see how God has truly turned him, him into, transformed him into the man he is today, it just brings such joy to my heart. One quick story. When he was about 12 years old, I was down there, probably 98, 99, and, and we always wrestled. He and I wrestled constantly. When he was younger, there was four, three or four of them. You know, they needed three or four to take me. And uh, so three or four of them, and as he got older, I quit. When he comes up, you'll see why I quit wrestling with him, you know. Um, but he was younger. It was like four or five of them. We were wrestling around, and I was tired, laying on the ground. They all came around, picked me up, and I thought, what's the difference? Let, let them carry me. And what they were doing is they carrying me over to a pile of dog poop and trying to drop me in the dog poop. <laughs> so from from th- from those humble beginnings, okay, I give you Rodolfo. Come on up, buddy. Good morning, everybody. 
I would like to start with a little prayer. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single one of your blessings. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you have given me of being here in front of these people. I ask that you use me as one of your instruments and that the words that come out of my mouth are not mine, but yours. I ask that the Holy Spirit will speak to the minds and hearts of my brothers and sisters here this morning. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name, amen. All right, I met um, Jeff 16 years ago when he was young and good-looking. <laughs> now I just want to call him Grandpa Jeff. <laughs> I, I met him and his family 16 years ago, and uh, they have been part of my life for all these years, and I consider them part of my family. I just have to say that you guys have an, an amazing pastor and incredible, incredible leader. Well, this morning, I have uh, three confessions to make. Now, my wife will make it, will call it confession session or something like that. I don't know. But anyways, number one, I am very nervous. All right? I am shaking inside. So you guys see me doing something like salsa dancing moves? Promise you, it's not salsa dancing. I'm just shaking really bad. Numero dos. Hey, that's number two, by the way. My first language is Spanish. So, if at one point you're like, what did he just say? I will kindly ask you to just figure it out. <laughs> Numero tres. And that's number... Man, you guys are fluent. I should be speaking Spanish to you right now. Anyways, number three. I forgot, so. Squirrel. Oh, gosh. Anyways, my uh, beautiful wife, Rebecca, and I uh, were for a ministry uh, named, called, uh, named Back to Back. And actually, I want to tell you a little more about my wife, because I love her. And I mean, if you meet her, and if you get a chance to meet her, you're going to love her too. I always tell her that she is a chatty butterfly. And yes, I did say a chatty butterfly, because she's the perfect combination of a social butterfly and a chatty catty. Now, if, if you get a chance to meet her, man, she's going to hug you, she's going to make you feel like, you guys are best friends, and you have known forever, even if it's the first time that you guys have met. Me, on the other hand, I have to tell you, you know, I get really excited. I see people. I want to go and say hello. And then, uh, you know, in my culture, we, we, uh, we uh, greet people with, with a kiss on the cheek, but, you know, like also a hug, and then like shake hand. And then I go, I'm standing before this person, but I don't know if we go to the to, to like the shake or the hug or the kiss, and I just panic, and I'm all awkward. So, anyways, if you get a chance to meet my wife, uh, her name is Rebecca, and she's awesome. Um, like I said before, uh, we are part of a organization named Back to Back Ministries. 
This is an organization that cares for the orphan all over the world. I'm sure that most of you know who we are and what we do. But for those who don't know who we are and what we do, I will encourage you to come after the service and talk to me, to Chris Cox, or to Jeff, and we will love to tell you more about who we are and what we do. But this morning, I came all the way from Mazatlan, oh, by the way, it's in the west side, in the Pacific, to tell you a story. And this story is about a kid named Jose. Now, he's one of the children that we serve in Mexico. This story begins when Jose was about nine years old, and he was dropped off at one of the children's homes that we work with. And the night before, his mom uh, gathers them together, Jose, his younger brother and his younger sister, and tells them, Tomorrow, we're going on a picnic. So I want you to pack your clothes, and I want you to pack your books, because we're going in the morning. And it made sense. You know, like, the next day was a Sunday, so, okay, makes sense. They were all really excited. They pack all their things. They put in their little backpacks. They go to bed very early. They get up very early because they were really excited. Then they they get the public transportation. Then after two hours, they pull into this uh, big property with a lot of kids running around and with a big playground and a big slide. His mom tells Jose to go and play at the playground, at the playground. And his mom goes into a very small office. After a while, his mom comes out, calls Jose and his brother and sister, gathers them together, and said, I cannot take you with me to our house. It is very dangerous that you guys are alone. It's a very small house. So I will work to buy a bigger house, and I promise to come back for you. Jose starts bawling. He starts crying. He says, but mom, our house is big enough. We all fit in our house. Please, please don't leave me in this place. But his mom just dries his tears from his cheeks. I love you, but it's very dangerous for you to be with me at home. So you'll have to stay here. And his mom just turns around and walks away. Jose's heart is hurting, has been crushed. The person who's supposed to love him unconditionally is walking away. That night, he is at the dorm with 20 other kids. Some of them are crying, and he's just trying to figure out what happened that morning. What went wrong? Jose starts asking himself, Am I a bad kid? Is it my fault? Did I say something to my mom to make her mad so she she will drop me off here? But he remembered that he promised his mom to be 
a good kid, to behave very well, and to have good grades. So he came up with a plan. He's like, well, if I'm the smartest kid, kid in the orphanage, my mom will take me back. So at the end of the school year, he comes running to his mom and shows him the grades. And like, mom, look at this. A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus. Can I go home now? His mom looks at him, looks at him and said, I love you. I'm really proud of you. But I cannot take you home with me. And once, once again, Jose's heart, heart is crushed and he's hurting. So he tries to move on. Say, okay, I'm not going to go with my mom, so I guess I can like on my own. So at the age of 13 years old, you know, teenager, they are, they're always looking for a role model. But the caregivers at the home, they didn't have the time to spend quality time with, with Jose. But, uh, but one day, he met uh, this man. His name is Dane. He used to go to the home like three times a week. And for Jose, like Dane was speaking something weird, you know, like... Uh, he, Jose thought that Dane was an alien or something like that because Dane will say, blah, 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 blah. and then Jose will be like, no comprendo, no comprendo. And, but one night, Dane brought a uh, telescope to look at the stars. And Jose, I mean, he's very curious, so he like ran, ran straight to the telescope. He was looking at the star like, whoa. Look at the moon. And then Dane reached into his pocket. And he um, pulled out a uh, dictionary, which is Spanish, English dictionary. And he translates a sentence. You are very smart. And you have a great future. So Jose just looks at Dane and like, looks around. And he thinks to, to himself. Dane, look around. There is no future here for me. But he just smiles and he just keeps looking at the stars. Now, in Mexico, public education ends at ninth grade. And then for high school, you have to pay, even if you go to a public uh, high school. So... This home didn't have the funding to send their kids to high school. So when Jose was in uh, seventh grade, he started to realize in this. Okay, what are my options? Two more years, and I will be asked to leave the home because there is no point of me staying here if I'm not going to study. And he started looking at the other teenagers who left, and his options are, uh, work as a helper of a mason, uh, doing some, like cleaning some dishes, joining a gang, becoming a delinquent, because those were Jose's option, options. But we, when he started eighth grade, the home, they um, did a big effort to send three of their teenagers to high school. And I got to tell you this, like it, it changed the whole ambiance of the home. 
like the teenagers, like Jose, were really excited because three of their own are going to high school, and now that becomes an option for them. And trust me, these children, this young uh, man, were really smart. But they start failing classes, and by the end of the year, they fail the entire year. And it's not because they were not smart. It's because they didn't have the support that they needed. It's because they didn't have a computer or a printer to do research and their homework. Or because they didn't have the funding to buy a book that they needed to learn. Now, this, this light of hope that was in the, in the orphanage was banished. He was gone. If these boys were really smart and they didn't make it, Jose started thinking, I'm not going to make it. So I got one more year. All right, then I'll just do whatever I can do. When he started uh, uh, ninth grade, at this point, um, there were a couple of churches that were kind of like helping out uh, with, with, uh, with the home. And then one of the ladies approached him, you know, with a little pamphlet, with the four laws, you know, and like a very nice paper, and him tells Jose, God loves you, and he has a great plan for you. Jose looks around, and he's like, Lady, do you see the clothes that I'm wearing? Do you see the food that I'm eating? Do you see the place where I sleep? If you're talking about the God of love, who promised to care for me, to provide for me, to be my father, to never leave me, If you're talking about that guy, I do not want anything to do with this guy. Then back to back started working with this home. It was more constant. They started bringing people. Um, The people were encouraging the kids. And back to back started talking about a HOPE program, which is an educational program for teenagers that cannot afford... um, education and one day Jose was during his uh, homework time and you know again there were like a lot of people like you guys uh, that maybe don't speak Spanish but you you guys know about numbers and numbers don't have any language so they were helping us uh, with our homework so Jose just had this homework where he had to use two words to describe very famous people And at the end, he had to use three words to describe himself. Jose was just staring at the window. And then this this lady comes from the other side of the room, goes straight to Jose, and tells him, Pioneer. Then Jose turns around and is like, First, who are you? Two, what's Pioneer? The latest started writing the word pioneer on a uh, name tag. And on her own words, 
describes pioneer is a person that it doesn't matter what their circumstances are. They will break through all limits and obstacles to become a conqueror. Jose is like, huh? Okay. This lady peels the, the name tag with a poor pioneer and it sticks in Jose's chest and says, you are a pioneer. And she repeat herself. It's a person that it doesn't matter what their circumstances are. They will break through all limits and obstacles to become a conqueror. And then she said, and that's you, Jose. You are a pioneer. And because Jesus loves you, I'm going to make sure that you go to high school. Jose was all confused. He's like, uh, you're crazy, lady. And, uh, okay, whatever. But there were a lot of people who started coming and just encouraging him and just investing in his life. And there was this, this man that came up to Jose when they were, like, kicking the ball around. And, and he uh, learned to say, I believe in you. So every single time Jose will score or something like that, She's like, yeah, I believe in you. So I was like, what? All right, whatever. But that person just keeps telling him, I believe in you. And then by the end of the, the ninth grade, Back to Back started the whole program, which, like I said before, is an education, educational program. And they invited Jose to be part of this, this program. But at the end of that year, school year, his mom, uh, he, she came back and she gathered him and his younger brother and younger sister and tells him, our financial situation got better so I can take you home with me now. Jose, he was very excited, but he was very sad at the same time. He grabs his mom and pulls her to a private area and tells his mom, Mom, I love you. I really want to be with you. But I want you to answer a question. And I want you to be 100% honest. Would you be able to pay for my education? It doesn't matter if I have to work as long as my first priority is my education. So his mom, his mom thinks for a little bit, and she says, no, I can't promise you that. And then Jose says, well, for some reason, there's some crazy people here that believe in me, and I want to believe in myself as much as they do. So I'm going to stay here I'm going to continue with my education. He joined the whole program. Um, and it was the first year of high school. And the drive between the orphanage 
And the whole program is like two to five minutes top. But Todd Guckenberger, which is the executive, executive director of uh, Back to Back Ministries, one day he came into the room, said like to, to Jose and three other boys that live with him, pack all your things, put them in the back of my pickup truck. We are leaving. They're like, Jose and his friends were like, what? What just happened? All right, whatever. We pack our things, which it wasn't a lot. We, um, they put them in the back of the pickup truck. Then after a while, Todd comes out of the office, small office. He's like, get in the truck. We're leaving. So Jose is all scared. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. And uh, that drive, like I said, is like two to five minutes. It was like 30 minutes for Jose. Because during this time, a spiritual battle started in his heart. He started thinking again, I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to make it. I'm not worthy of this opportunity. But he remembered that crazy lady that once called him Pioneer. Then he went to the whole program. Now in the whole program... You know, they have family, and they, they teach the kids how to live with the family. I was explained that back-to-back, what back-to-back does is that they go straight into the life of the kid. They go deep into all the issues that they have. And they try to change the mentality of these kids through a good example and through a lot of good um, choices for them. Because if we don't do this, all they see is that, well, my mom dropped off her kids in a children's home, so I can do that. Well, uh, my father walked away from my home, so I can do that. But trying to break that cycle of very poor decisions. But, I mean, uh, I mean it, the whole program, Jose's in the whole program, and again, it's a new battle in his life. But God is faithful. And... Um, then when he was almost done with high school, he meets a youth pastor. And he starts investing in his life. And at this point, I think there was a book very famous by Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Is that correct? Yes. So the pastor, the youth pastor comes to Jose and tells, he's really excited. Like, okay, we're going to do this study and this about, you know, the purpose that God has for your life and this and that. And then Jose is just like staring at the book, looks at the pastor and says, well, if God doesn't have a big plan for me, I don't want to know anything about it. <laughs> but, but he was faithful. The pastor was faithful. And it took him two years for Jose to give his life to Christ. And two more years for Jose to get baptized. At this point, you know, like Jose finishes the uh, high school, top of his class. He goes into college. It was no-brainer, you know. Like before, like, oh, I don't know, I can't do it. And I was like, okay, I want this, I want that, and I want that. And then after five years, he finished college. And he is the first person or the first member of his family to have a college degree. I am Jose. I am a pioneer. 
And this morning, I'm in front of you to be a witness of the true transformation that takes place in the power of Jesus Christ and His people. I want to read uh, two verses in the Bible that they might not make sense. They might not go together, but bear with me. Uh, the first one is James 1.27, and it says, Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphan and widows in their distress. 1 Peter 5.8 Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now when I read the, the second one, the 1 Peter 5.8, I always think about the Discovery Channel. Now I'm a geek. I love Discovery Channel. Uh, so, you know, like the, when the lion, you know, it's like, looking for uh, its prey, and it looks at the herd of zebras, and he's always looking for his target. And his target is the smallest, the weakest, the youngest. When he sets his eyes in his target, he is relentless. He will attack with everything he has. He will grab his prey and will not let go. Now, if you see the other zebras, you know, like, they all run different directions, and, and then they look back, and like, whew, thank God, it's not me. And they just, like, everything goes back to normal. They look down to the ground, and they start chewing grass. This little zebra is being devoured by a lion. It's crying out loud for help. What the other zebras do? They just chew their grass. Now, we call ourselves the hands and feet of God. We call ourselves ambassadors of Christ. We call ourselves the light of this world. But for some reason, we see that the enemy is devouring these children with all his lies. You're not loved. You're not cared for. You're not worthy. And we don't do anything. We just look down to the ground and chew grass. Brothers and sisters, it is our time. I repeat, it is our time to stand up face to face with the enemy, draw a line in the sand and say, no more. No more. We will rescue these children in the name of Jesus Christ. When somebody comes to you, to us, and challenges and challenge us and speak truth into our life, a spiritual battle 
will start in your mind and in your heart. And you will say things like, Roto, but I'm too young. Roto, I'm too old. Roto, I don't have anything to give. I want you to listen to me because I want to tell you that you are rich and powerful beyond all measure in Jesus Christ. David was only a boy when he killed Goliath. And because of that, they destroyed an entire army. Caleb, he was an old man when he entered the promised land. And he said, I will take the land of the giants and I will kick them out of that land. A widow that all she had was enough to make a piece of bread for her and her son. But she was obedient to God and gave the piece of bread to the prophet. And God blessed her. Our God is the God of action. And when his people take action, he will bless it. He will bless you. So I want you to think how you can help, how you can get involved. And then I want you to go ahead and do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Rodolfo, I'm, I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to pray. But he, he asked me um, last week, he said, now, I may get up. Are your people used to being challenged at all? I said, well, no, they're not. So you're going to really freak them out. Um, <laughs> let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Oh, God, thank you so much for this incredible morning you've given to us. Father, thank you for the testimony of Rodolfo the way it inspires each one of us, the way it motivates our hearts to look around at the people that you've given to us to minister to, whether it's at work or at school, whether it's overseas. Father, wherever it is in our own neighborhood, I pray that we would have a heart to touch the lives of those that you have put in our midst. And, Father, that we would have a passion for those around the world, those children and widows who so desperately need you. Father, thank you for a church that so, so desires to reach out. You've given us so many privileges, Lord God, and we're thankful for that. But, Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts that we are nowhere near finished. That you have so much more for us to do. And, Father, there are some people here who have been sitting back and eating the grass. As others are being devoured around them, Lord God, 
they're just eating the grass. I pray, dear God, that you would awaken those sleeping, sleeping giants, Lord God, that you would awaken our hearts, that you would awaken the passion within us, that you would set our hearts on fire once again with a desire to serve you and impact the lives of others. Father, we pray that you would use us in a powerful way, that we would get involved, Lord God, and that you would use us and that you'd receive all the praise and all the glory for the lives that you're changing. Thank you for the testimony of a young man whose life was transformed. And Father, thank you that it ministers to us as we realize all the challenges and the difficulties that we face in our lives can be overcome if we give it over to you. If we allow you to move in our lives, you'll change us. What an encouragement. What an inspiration. I praise you, Lord. We praise you and thank you for your transforming power in each of our lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Take some time. Rodolfo is going to be out here at the, at the ministry table. Take some time to connect with him, connect with each other. The life group leaders will be out there. Connect with your life group leaders and just have a wonderful, wonderful week.